Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week is the final instalment of our short series of special programmes in which we're looking back at the recent UBS European Conference here in London and picking out a few of the key panels and themes to explore in greater depth. We've already discussed central banks and equity markets. In this last piece, we're taking a deeper dive into gender equality in economics. Here to unpack some of the complexities in this space is Beatrice Martin, Head of Non-Core and Legacy and the President of EMEA at UBS, as well as UBS Chief Executive for the UK. At the conference, Bia was the moderator of a discussion featuring Cherie Blair, CBE, leading lawyer and founder of her eponymous Foundation for Women, which launched in 2008 to support women in lower middle income countries to start, sustain and grow successful businesses so that they can be financially independent, have a stronger voice in society and contribute to their communities and economies. In the conference panel, Bia spoke to Cherie about themes like women's economic equality, the importance of mentorship and some of the many issues facing female entrepreneurs. It's a delight to welcome Bia to the show to unpack some of the learnings from the event. Beatrice Martin, wonderful to to chat to you. Thanks for making some time for us. Um, Tell us first of all about, um, well, the the usefulness of moderating discussions uh, like the one that you did with with, with Cherie Blair, of course. It's so important, isn't it, to shine a spotlight on some of these areas and to get insights from people like Cherie and to pool resources and and get people uh, discussing and uh, talking about these things in the open. It's such an important uh, aspect of, of driving progress, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. I think it was a great, uh, you know, it was a great fire chat uh, at the European conference, at the UBS European conference. And we actually covered a lot of topics for a one hour session, you know, issues facing uh, female entrepreneurs, uh, using tech to connect uh, women globally. And Cherie shared some of great, some of their great uh, anecdotes uh, from her career, which I'm sure will be very useful for women. Um, and there were definitely a lot of women in the audience who could relate to that and you could see them uh, nodding. She also shared some tangible actions on how, you know, uh, the audience could do better in supporting women in the workplace and be more inclusive. I think all those tips are always really helpful because, uh, you know, it is not that we are short of allies, actually, in, in the corporate world. Very, very often uh, people don't know what to do or how to support that agenda. So that was really good. And I was very happy to see that, uh, you know, um, she pointed out at the importance of leaders building a diverse team and uh, to resist the temptation of appointing people who think like you, look like you and, you know, are probably easier to manage. Uh, I think it's also important that, uh, you know, uh, it's one of the tools to have a a successful team, I think, is to have a really, truly diversity of thought and backgrounds. And, uh, you know, that always, I think, uh, lands uh, the world in, in better solutions, better outcomes. We also covered, you know, how to do mentorship and how important is that mentorship versus sponsorship. I think, you know, we've also had great conversations within the firm about about that. 
how men can point themselves to to uh, be helpful and and support careers, as I said before, and then how to be a, a mentor of women in the workplace. And you know, she she had really good and fun stories about you know previous mentors. So it was actually very very uh, entertaining. Yeah, she's she's quite she's quite the speaker. And actually, there's a couple of things I wanted to pick up with you there. But one of them is this point about um, the merits of ensuring that you build diverse teams in any workplace, particularly in big corporates. And actually, it's not just the right thing to do, you know, morally, ethically, but it always pays off. And this is one of the things I always find so staggering about a lack of progress in this area. Um, teams that are ha- that are over-representative of women, teams that are led by women, they aren't just doing the right thing, but they do better. And yet this still seems to be a narrative that sometimes gets lost, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's just... It has developed. I mean, it, there has been big changes over the last years, I think. I think everybody conceptually um, understands and supports the theory that, you know, uh, more diverse teams uh, lead to, to better outcomes. I think it is uh, in the day-to-day uh, for many managers more more difficult to find, you know, the right diversity to strike the right balance in the team. I think, again, I, I said before the temptation, you know, resisting the temptation of you know, hiring people that look like you, think like you. I think that, that you know, uh, managers tend to think that that makes their lives easier. They have less friction and, you know, they can get their agenda done maybe um, in an easier way. However, I think, you know, you see more and more of the senior management throughout the firms actually very much convinced of, you know the um, the benefits of having a more diverse team and and really making quite a lot of effort and some progress maybe not enough i think we all agree with that and you know but but progress in terms of uh, giving visibility and and a voice to diverse um, employees whether women or ethnic ethnic diverse or you know sexual orientation or else and i think building that trust and that inclusion and you know, bringing people to the table to be able to take decisions together—that is what matters uh, in the teams. And therefore, I think you know, uh, progress slow, but you know, we have seen definitely progress. Yeah, let me just ask you one aspect, which I think is interesting, and that's about how readily these kinds of ideas and values travel. And perhaps I don't know, you, maybe you could reflect on your own experience. Obviously, your your own sort of portfolio has has shifted and changed, and you cover new geographies. Is is part of the challenge the fact that? depending on where you are, there are all these different tracks of speed of progress and in willingness to engage, aren't there? Is that is that something, I don't know, that perhaps Cherie spoke about or is that something that you've even encountered personally? Just the, the challenge of trying to operate to these values across different geographies, for example. And cultures, yeah. I mean, EMEA stands for Europe, Middle East and Africa. It's definitely a very dynamic and a hugely diverse region. We have, you know, 26 countries, around 20% of the group, the UBS group is sitting in, in EMEA. Now, we are all together, you know, we have incredible opportunities when when we come together as a team and we achieve greater things when, you know, when we can bring all those perspectives to a table, I think. We have been, you know, for example, coming together in the forums across the firm. And I think the ability to utilize the local uh, reach and the domestic presence in in the region 
it's definitely uh, very complementary to the, the, if you want central capabilities that UBS offers uh, to clients, right? So having the right, striking the, the right balance and making sure that you're not always looking at, you know, clients and businesses and, you know, even the region from, you know, the center, if you want. And, you know, with that lens and getting the the view from the local management and people on the ground, I think it's it's really important, right? We, I mean, at UBS, we believe that our culture is the single most important factor of our success. I truly, truly think that, and that is a very strong feedback from employees that join us from other firms, actually. I think, you know, the culture, who we are, how we do things, right? It shapes policy, processes, informs, you know, what is... Uh, to work, what it's like to work here and, and delivers, I think, long-term value for our stakeholders, which are, you know, our, our employees, of course, our shareholders, our clients and, and regulators. And, you know, together uh, from myself as a GAP member to our newest employee, we are equally responsible for owning and protecting, protecting our culture. And my view is that really everybody can influence our culture at UBS, everybody can add their little something every day to make it a better place to work and a more, you know, pleasant place to for everybody or our employees. So, you know, we are really committed to have honest conversations and, you know, around who we are individually, who we are as a team, who we are as a region, and where do we want to go as a firm and how can achieve how can we achieve that together? I think we recognize that you know, people are definitely our biggest assets and it's essential to be to build and maintain an environment where everybody feels comfortable bringing their authentic selves to work every day. Um, so we are definitely committed uh, to do that, to hiring, retaining, promoting more women, more minority employees, and and hopefully we can show the progress over, you know, the future. But, you know, as I said before, I think, you know, we have been... Uh, already publishing quite a lot of the progress that we've been making and you know the the aspirational targets that we have uh, at group level are definitely you know being uh, taken very seriously and you can see everybody working towards those well yeah and it's one of the the enduring pleasures of working on this program is that we get to hear about so many very specific initiatives and arenas of, of real meaningful progress from all across the group actually and from all around the world which is which is highly encouraging just in terms then of the the, the takeaways from the panel and obviously you summarized in your opening remarks Bea, that lots of the things that Cherie Blair was talking about were there any particular areas where even with all of that progress made, you thought, hey, you know, that is an area that we will really need to keep focus, keep in focus for, for 2024 and beyond. Were there specific things that, that resonated from what she said where you thought, oh, there are some real wins to be had here? Yeah, I mean, I must say I was very, very impressed with uh, Cherie and, you know, everything that she's done, the way she's grown the foundation. I thought that was very impressive, um, you know the way she's trying to touch so many people through as i said before tech i i didn't i never thought about that and you know i think she has you know put something in place where you know through an app people can you know take short lessons about how to become an entrepreneur in a country how to open a bakery whatever it is right i think it, it's really really interesting i think the more use of tech maybe for the dni agenda is something that we should reflect on as we go into 2024 a lot has been done but i think if you really want to reach everybody then probably 
you know, um, those, those that that is a way to obviously accelerate communication, accelerate actions, you know, measure, kind of bring back to the table, you know, certain conversations. So I definitely think that that is that is something we should think about. Well, yeah. Let me ask you: Do do you think? Do you still feel optimistic, uh, Bear? I mean, I know there's been so many examples of great progress. You've mentioned some, and you you talk about how inspiring Cherie Blair's remarks were. Um, but we know about things. One that is a real bugbear of mine is the tiny, tiny proportion of of venture capital, for example, that goes into female-founded businesses. It's tight, low single digits, isn't it? Still, despite the focus on that that area, as one example, uh, are you still optimistic though? Despite those challenges and despite some of these uh, problems that seem more difficult to overcome, are you still optimistic about the, the general direction of, of travel and the rate of change? I mean, I, I think the one thing I would say about, you know, and what you said is true, for example, private equity, uh, you know, venture capital, women tend to get far less funding and actually have much better returns. I think, you know, there are there is a place where, you know, regulators, for example, can actually do quite a lot of things. And we've seen an, a very busy ESG agenda. I think, you know, if, if you think about, for example, in the UK, you know, the FCA has published a consultation paper about, you know, some of the guidelines and rules to support, you know, the, the healthy culture and dog talent. But also, I think, as you go into, you know, some of the capital that you put down for certain, you know, investments. As a regulator, you could obviously incentivize, you know, certain parts of uh, investments, such as, for example, women only <laughs> venture capital or PE investments and give them, you know, some beneficial treatment if you want. So I think there is a lot of things that still need to get done. And I absolutely agree with that. I am optimistic because I think, you know, the world is definitely looking at, all those things and when you you know when you talk to senior leaders in the industry when when i talk to regulators or when i talk to even shareholders and even you know clients at times they tell you okay you know how many women do you have in this team how many pms are in this fund you know how many of them are women and those are reasons why they now are also choosing some of you know the investments they make right so Personally, I think, you know, we will see that that prog- progress slowly, but I am optimistic about the future, yes. That's certainly good news. Um, just in terms of, often when we talk about other theme, you know, around ESG, for example, there's sometimes an issue, even with agreeing on what the metrics are that we need to be measuring in order to assess the rate of, of progress. Do you think that if we talk more broadly, um, Beer, in this context about gender equality across economics, that at least in that sense, we know what we need to be measuring and monitoring, or, or is there still maybe some work to do even in that on that sort of diagnostic basis? I think there is a, I mean, in the ESG and, and green agenda, there is still a lot of work to do with, you know, standardizing metrics and agreeing on, you know, how things are going to be seen. I think, again, everybody is, is making huge efforts to deliver that agenda, not because, you know, only is regulatory required, but also I think truly because, you know, we believe is the right thing to do. Um, you know, even when you when you think about the gender pay gap, for example, that we all kind of publish in the UK, I think, you know, 
there is a lot of explaining around to do around how those metrics come together. Is that all women versus all men? You know, is that equal jobs? You know, what does that say about similar or comparable roles within a firm, man versus woman? Does that number tell you something or not? And you know, I think there is more work to be done in that in that space, but it's definitely again, I think it's not about surely we are moving, you know, in the right direction. Just a final question before we before we let you go. Um, we like to try and be uh, proactive always on this program and give uh, people, whether they're investors or whether they're lay listeners, something to to think about and to action. If someone's listened to this exchange, even uh, maybe they were an, an attendee at the conference, and they heard that panel and they said, look, this strikes a chord with me and I want to do something proactively. Um, what should that action look like? Is it the classic thing, that old mantra, even a long journey starts with a with a single step? How do people get started on the journey of moving the needle here? We said, I mean, we said in the panel, actually, that if people wanted to sponsor some of, you know, the work that uh, has been done in the foundation or if people have, you know, some ideas about mentorship or, you know, um, they wanted to get involved in some sort of sense, then they could, you know, reach out to Sherry, myself, you know, I, I think we are all for getting people started. I totally agree. You start walking by doing, you know, making the first step and it will be superb to see people getting engaged. Beatrice Martin there, bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle Radio. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com or follow the programme wherever you get your podcasts. You can also discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.